It's the 120 podcast, and now batting for the Chicago Cubs, Anthony Rizzo. Wow. And I am not Andrew Bellison, despite the fact that I wish I was. But that's what this episode's about, Ben. We have Andrew Bellison on the podcast today. We recorded this interview about two weeks ago. So to preface this, before we kind of get into it, was recorded, uh, I think, over two weeks ago. I think three weeks at this point. I yeah, don't remember. It was, it was a while ago. Uh, we thank Andrew for doing this. We turned it around really fast. I reached out to him. He got back to me right away, and we did it that week. Um, and we sat on it for a couple weeks because we thought we would have this schedule of programming, which we have. I appreciate everyone listening to our Bateman and Carrico interviews. We have another one coming out next week. But obviously, as we record this yesterday, you might have heard our emergency podcast. A lot has changed. The yeah. news, if you've been living under a rock, Craig Council has become the manager of your Chicago Cubs, and David Ross was blindsided out of his job. It's cruel, but at the end of the day, it's what the team had to do, and we'll talk a lot about that in, after the Bellison interview. So stick around after the Bellison interview. We're going to talk all about that. That said, we did cut a couple minutes of our Bellison interview, a good minute or two. We briefly touch on Ross, as you'll hear in the audio. In the interview we did two weeks ago, we went into a longer tangent about if Ross is the right guy for this team. Feels a bit insensitive now, considering Bellison is a huge fan of him, um, and as I always was, and as Ben was, uh, and I wish nothing but the best for Rossi, but we'll uh, we'll let you hear the rest of our, our awesome interview. Then one more thing before we get into the interview as well, a new Crosstown dropping on Friday. We just recorded the first semifinal match between the person you're looking at on the screen, Mikey Fernelli and Dom Amedio. It was a fun match, and I've appreciated all the support I've gotten from it thus far, and we're just going to continue doing this tournament, and I appreciate you all for tuning in. The voice of Wrigley Field for 10 years in both Ben and I's childhood, Andrew Bellison, coming up on 120. Welcome into the 120 Podcast. Mikey Fernelli, Ben Hootie, coming at you for another episode with Andrew Bellison, formerly of the Chicago Cubs, and the Outside the Box Podcast now here. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Oh, it's my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. So if you don't know, I don't know how you wouldn't know. You might recognize his voice now that he said hi, but he was the voice of Wrigley Field for a decade from 2011 uh, and on. And it was it was an awesome time. I mean, I'm 21 years old. Ben is 20. And I would say, Ben, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but like you were like one of the voices of my childhood. I don't mean to completely just flatter you with that, but like going to Wrigley Field as a kid, even talking to you now before we started recording, it's like, holy cow, like that's just like the voice I remember from Wrigley Field. Oh, Mike, that's so nice. Thank you. You're not flattering me at all. You're making me feel old, if anything. But no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. That's that's uh, that's really nice to hear it. I mean that. Um, you know, I, I had the voices when I grew up, uh, you know, with Wayne Mesmer and Paul Friedman doing PA. So I, I totally get what you mean. And to, to be to be grouped in that class to me means means the world. So really, thank you. That's that's really cool. I know I know it was a long time ago, but what was the process like of getting hired by the Cubs. You you grew up a Cubs fan, correct? I did. Yeah. Great question, Ben. And you know what? It was crazy. Um, there was about 3000 people that had applied. So I didn't know that. And even without knowing that, I didn't think there was much of a chance that I was going to get hired, but it was a public process. So I, I did the online script. What they did is they had every applicant read the same script. And then we had to send a video audition to them with that script. And I did it. And I, I didn't want to do it. Um, I figured there was there was really not a very good shot. But from from those three thousand applicants, then they they narrowed it down to twenty five of us, and that's when we started doing live live auditions inside the ballpark, and everything kind of just unfolded from there. But it was a pretty crazy process because it all happened about two and a half to three weeks before opening day. So it was like boom, 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 boom. So from a college baseball career and obviously intentions to be a broadcaster, what were you kind of doing previous uh, to Wrigley Field and the Cubs? Yeah, I had done broadcast work like you guys in college um, at the minor league level a bit, some PA as well. And yeah, play-by-play has always been my true passion. But um, I was so fortunate to be hired by the Cubs. I was just just 23 years old when, when they hired me, just 24 years old when they hired me. So, I mean, I was I was super young. It was awesome. Um, public address and at that stadium, like you said, growing up a Cub fan, it was just, just super special to me. And the timing was right because they had some really good ball clubs for those years that I was there, which I was lucky to be along for the ride, you know. What did you like anyone ever tell you, like, man, you have like a really good voice for either broadcast or more specifically PA, because obviously like that's the most important part. You want to get down deep and be able to dig for like 
some certain names, whatever it might be, ever anyone ever tell you like, man, you got a great voice for this? You, I think you could go far in a career like that. You know what, Ben? I, I, yes, I suppose so. Not for PA though, to be honest with you. I hadn't done a ton of PA work before I got hired at Wrigley, which I, it might sound kind of strange. I had done it at the minor league level for baseball. Um, I, I kind of just growing up there and knowing the vibe and the feel of Wrigley, like I wasn't super over the top when I did PA. I didn't think I wasn't a cheerleader or anything like that. And I think it just kind of fit the realm there and kind of fit the, fit the feel at Wrigley. Um, but, but no, that was really, I was a, I was a very novice in the PA world at, at the time that I got hired, but I was very fortunate to still land the position. And it's interesting you point out that you just kind of attributed to the vibe of Wrigley Field because I completely agree with that. There is a certain energy when you walk in there, you hear the natural sounds. I literally saw on YouTube yesterday doing a little bit of prep that somebody just took their phone out in May of 2018 and recorded like an hour of pregame, including your voice and like the natural <laughs> sounds and the vendors and shit. And like, it's just so funny hearing like all of that together. But then I was like, wow, this is so cool. Like kind of putting yourself in the headspace and you definitely attributed to that vibe uh, of getting into the players though. When you would, you know, when a new player would come up for the Cubs, cause as you said, it was some exciting years. Would you practice? Like, how am I going to say this guy's name? How am I going to fit it into my style? Or was it kind of just like, whatever sounds comfortable? Uh, Mikey, that's a great question. I, y- yes to all, but not really practice. Kind of just see what comes out. Uh, I would do it maybe once or twice before we did it live, just to make sure I didn't sound like a complete moron, just just in case. Um, but I would just play with it very briefly and just kind of keep it in my style. Um, I would think about it, yes, but not 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 overthink it too much. Again, you know, I, I just, I was always, I felt pretty even keel. Um and, and the style I had doing PA there just kind of fit. So knowing that, I, I, I was able to kind of keep everything pretty consistent with that with, in, terms, in terms of the names. Me and Mikey were talking about it when we uh, t- talked to you about uh, coming on for an interview. But one of our favorite things when you were the public address announcer at Wrigley Field was the way that you would say the names of the away team. You'd still like have your charm and your voice in it. <laughs> But you'd be you'd sound so disappointed when some people would come to the plate. Like I love when Yadier Molina would come to the plate and just be like Yadier Molina, and everyone would boo. <laughs> and I like what what why did you kind of like want to be so like sad and somber whenever the away uh, players came <laughs> to the plate? You know what, Ben? I, it's a good question. I I just felt like they're on the road and you give them the proper introduction, but, but nothing more. Um, it's funny. You said that I, I had the opportunity to sit down with Wade Boggs, Wade Boggs once at Wrigley, which was a super thrill for me. I mean, he was one of my favorites as a kid, obviously Hall of Fame third baseman. And he came to interview me. It was like a series about fun jobs around the ballpark. And I always kidded with him. I said, this should be the other way around. Like nobody wants to hear from me. I should be interviewing you first of all. Um, but he said, okay, well, announce me. And I did him. I did him, you know, relatively somber, you know, third baseman, Wade Boggs. And he looked at me like, dude, what'd you give me that for? And I said, <laughs> well, you're not on the Cubs. So that's how it goes. And he laughed, but it just, I don't know. It's just kind of how it, just kind of how it came to be. Well, that was, that was the voice right there. I actually completely heard that. <laughs> Obviously you just did it, but uh, I always loved the way, and I would always see on social media, people would love the way you would do like Javi or Anthony Rizzo. There was just a certain way it would be like Baez or like Anthony Rizzo, like something like that. And it was, I don't know why, but it was just something in the way that you did it constantly every time. People loved it. And I'm sure you've heard all that feedback, but it was myself included. Um, it was, I still impersonate that to this day. <laughs> that was good, Mikey. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. You know, I, I, Sticking with the theme of wriggling and the feel, I love the organ music. The organ music at the ballparks, how it's supposed to be. And like you were saying, you know, taping that pregame tape that you heard, when I walk into the ballpark and hear Gary Pressy on the organ, like to me, I knew, like that took me back to my childhood. Like I'm, I'm at Wrigley. And um, so I, I would just feed off, feed off that and, and just kind of kind of stick with, with how it should be, I felt at Wrigley with those sounds. And I was, I was just very fortunate to have fit into, fit into a little 10 year window of that, that history with that, with that ballpark. It's very special. My, my personal favorite was the way you said, Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant. That was just the best. <laughs> but uh, what, what was it like for you to work with the legend Gary Pressy? 
I mean, I'm assuming that the PA announcer and organist, it's kind of like a tag team, the way that you guys go back and forth with each other. So what was it like to work with a true legend like Gary Pressy? Oh, man, he's the best. The best there ever was in terms of sports organists. Uh, again, I was so young when I got hired. He kind of took me under his wing. We sat together. He was right behind me in the PA booth. Um, kind of taught me how to handle myself in a major league press box at 23 years old, which is something, you know, not, not, not that I was um, – you know, not qualified for the, for the position, but he took me under his wing and guided me. And what people don't know about Gary, which is so cool, is the guy is a wealth of sports knowledge. It's insane what's in his head. I swear to God, he's never forgotten a statistic in his entire life, and it will it will blow you away. So not only is he incredibly talented musically, I idolized him growing up playing the organ at Wrigley. So to get to do player announcements over his organ playing and with his organ playing was was just unbelievable to me but we developed such a great friendship i mean we sat in a 200 square foot booth you know for almost a thousand games together so we got to know each other very well he's a very good friend and uh just 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 a, a super special person so i saw you got to sing the stretch which is pretty cool <laughs> at one point in your time at wrigley um and yeah I, go for it go, no go ahead well i was just gonna ask you know we, we talk all about you but in your time in that 200 square foot booth, as you mentioned, with Gary and with, you know, whoever, and then the guest for the stretch, who were just like some of the characters that you just like got to interact with in the time up there in the booth? Because there's been some really funny stretches over the years, and I'm sure over those 10 years, you, it was no exception. Yeah, it's an awesome question. It's one of my favorite parts is all those people would come in and kind of do a little rehearsal in the fifth or sixth inning with Gary just to make sure that they didn't get you know, caught with their pants down, so to speak, because it's super intimidating. Like, it, you know, it's funny because you see these A-list Hollywood celebrities come in and TV personalities and musicians, and they are just beside themselves nervous to sing Take Me Out to the Ballgame, which I always thought was funny. You make A-list movies and you're scared to sing the stretch. But um, I always love when old players came up, old Cubs, Ernie before he passed, and Billy and Fergie and any, any you know, the list goes on. I just... I'm a baseball guy, so getting able, being able to pick their brain was so cool. During the World Series, Vince Vaughn sang um, that the one of the home games at Wrigley. He he hung out in the booth for four or five innings. I'm a huge Vince Vaughn fan, and he's a diehard Cubs fan and a super super intelligent baseball guy. So so chatting with him was was awesome. Honestly, simple answer. I was a left-handed first baseman growing up in the '90s in Chicago. Mark Grace was my idol, my favorite player of all time, and I met him when he came in, and I. I don't get starstruck, guys. I'll be honest with you. I almost hit the ground when he walked in. I'm like, oh, my God, that's that's Mark Gray, you know. But it's it was uh, so many cool people that, that were just all so gracious and, and so happy to be at Wrigley to do the stretch. It was really, really neat. Feels like so many years ago now, but obviously you came in in 2011. That's when Theo was in the middle of the rebuild and, you know, shipping guys off, but bringing the young guys in. What what was the feeling around like upstairs in the booth with you guys when you know the the youth movement kind of came in in 2015 and it truly felt like from the start of 2016 that there was something special there and obviously it ended the way I think everyone kind of predicted it to be. Yeah, you you kind of knew that things were nudging the right way, right after you know eleven was whatever. Hold over, Quaddy, 12, 13 down years with Swain. And then, yeah, then things start to go. Um, you knew it was coming, I guess. But for me, that 2015 run when they made the playoffs, knocked the Cardinals out, like that was one of my favorite series of all time, even World Series included. Um, at that point, you knew like, well, this is legit now. And now there's expectation. And then lo and behold, in 2016, they lived up to it. And um you can feel it coming, but you guys know there's no guarantee in sports, regardless of how good you are on paper, and, and they still were able to do it. So it was, yeah, it was that was unreal. Now, as a hard Chicago sports fan, the fact that they didn't make it back again, yeah, it still pees you off, doesn't it? But, I mean, we're greedy after all that time. We got one, so we should be happy. I love the honesty there. You talk about, you know, being a big Chicago sports fan and stuff like that. Your biggest series, you said, was that series kind of like the coming out party for Kyle Schwarber when he put that ball on top of the Jumbotron in right field. Are you keeping up with modern baseball to this day? Because last night he had two more for the Phillies. And I and I think a lot of a lot of things that right now in talk are should we have let him walk for, you know, the low price it was? 
personally, I'm getting madder and madder every time I'm excited for him. But yeah, it's that one hurts. It's so crazy you said that. I was talking to my wife last night. We were flipping back and forth between the Phillies game and some other stuff we were watching. And I said, God, I can't, I can't. I'm on the Phillies train, man. I love Schwarber. I love Castellanos. They're fun to watch. Yeah, Schwarber is unbelievable. I mean, it, it, the, the game's different now, I guess I know. You know, what did he hit? A buck 97 this year, but he hit, you know, 4 million home runs. Still <laughs> takes his walks, right? So it's a great combo. But yeah, I I'm with you. He he's drawn me back to the back to baseball this postseason big time. Just just rooting for the Phillies and him. I, that's a tough question. I mean, about letting him walk. I I'm with you. I was always a huge Schwarber guy. I loved his work ethic. I loved his attitude. I loved his approach. You can see him. I mean, he's developed so well over the last couple of years into into the role that, that he plays now, and he's he's legit. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm I'm kind of closet rooting for the Phillies because I've always been a Schwarber guy. Same here. My, Mikey, we, we recorded an episode yesterday and my, me and Mikey went on a whole Phillies tangent for the second half of the episode just because, I mean, it's a, they're a lot of fun and it's yeah. fun to root for Schwarber and Castellanos as well because his time was super fun with the Cubs too. Yeah, he had the he, he, 50-game stretch when he was on the north side. He was he got out of his mind. He couldn't – nobody got him out, you know? That's a fair question. Who was like your favorite, like random cub during your time? You're like, I get to say this guy's name for, for, you know, 50 games at the very least. I mean, Nick Cassianos is a great answer, but was there anyone else you're just like, wow, this is random, but kind of fun. This is super random. Remember when Carlos Gonzalez was on the Cubs for about Cargo, 20 yeah. days or whatever? Yeah, yeah, that was, I, I, for some reason, I thought this, that was going to be the great resurrection. He was going to hit 400, you know, hit 15 home runs coming down the stretch, but didn't happen. But uh, no, I, that Cassiano's move I loved. I, I was always a big fan of his in Detroit. Doubles machine, obviously. Um, so watching him for 50, that probably tops on my list there. Of, we'll say random Cubs during my my era. <laughs> That's pretty funny. What Are you keeping up with all the other Chicago sports as well, all the Bears stuff right now? What are your thoughts on that, just coming from a Chicago fan? Just your feelings and thoughts towards the, the organization as a whole right now. We're we're diehard Bears fans in our house. I mean, we were listening to the game in Florida last weekend because we didn't have it on TV. So listen to Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer, and I they're awesome. And Bears, not so much, man. It stings. You guys know, I'm sure, right? You you your fans. It's uh, mm-hmm. not what not what we expected to this point. And now Fields is hurt with the thumb, so that's that's bad news. Um, I, you know, maybe it's the eternal optimist to me when it comes to Bears football, but I really thought this would kind of be somewhat of a corner turning year and, and building on some of the work they did this offseason and has not come to fruition. So, yeah, it's with, after what week six when you're basically done already, that's that sucks. <laughs> All right, let's talk your new show. I listened into your Herm Edwards episode. I know you said you have a Gary Pressy episode kind of in the in the hopper here for the next little bit. What's that about? What is kind of your elevator pitch for Outside the Box and, and what you're trying to do with it? It's been fun. It's just a little project I wanted to do. And, you know, if if, if nobody listened, I, I'm enjoying doing it. So that's that's cool for me. But, yeah, I wanted to go outside the box with some of the names that sports people and otherwise would recognize, but maybe talk about some things that, you know, people don't know them for. So Herm, you know, such a great guy, uh, had the opportunity to talk football and Jets and ask him about our Bears, but he's he's a dad and, and, and a mentor and uh, a life coach, essentially, is kind of what I labeled him as uh, outside of football. And a lot of people don't know that. Um, uh, a new episode coming out later today as well with Jacob Turner, who was a former first-round Major League Baseball pick, played 11 years professionally, but didn't have the numbers in the bigs that he had wanted to have. Um, and turn turn all of that experience and and uh, knowledge into a, a great career in the wealth management industry. But just just kind of stuff like that, sitting down and talking with names that a lot of people might recognize and and say, oh, that's a familiar person. I didn't know they did that. And kind of just taking it one step further. So it's been it's been a lot of fun. The cool concept. I I think that's that's really interesting because you don't really get that about some people. Like even hearing from you that you're a huge Chicago sports fan for all the other stuff, and you're still listening to the Bears games. Like I wouldn't have known that, which is probably something that you want to bring out for other people in uh, in your show. And with the dogs, you did some play by play. I saw, and you're continuing to do so. What's what's that dream that's uh, that's still kind of being chased? Yeah, going back, going back and, and trying to turn the clock back 15 years and, and get a play-by-play career going again. Again, that's, you know, it's always what I wanted to do is play-by-play, and I loved it. Um, I used to sit in the living room as a kid and listen to the Cubs on GN and turn down Harry Carey and Steve Stone and announce the game over them, you know. 
Um, yeah, spending the last year with with the dogs was great. They're a phenomenal organization. Great ballpark in Rosemont. Um, great staff and crew there. So getting on the air and, and working with them was was such a treat. It's just so nice to be in the booth. And they had a hell of a good season too. I mean, made it all the way to the championship series. So being able to to have the opportunity to be around baseball and do play by play still is is just such a treat. Was it weird for you after doing public address for so many years in a row, popping back in the play-by-play game, like trying to get back in the swing of things, or did it just come easy to you yet again? You know what, Ben? It, it, I had to knock the rust off for sure, yeah. and, and, that's, and that's a daily process, right? You know, you try to get better every day in terms of your craft, um, depending on what you might be calling. What's funny, though, is I did PA once this year, in Rosemont for the dogs as a fill-in. And I hadn't done PA since I left Wrigley. So that was harder, I think, than 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 being in the booth next door. To get your voice back to that like deep level and be able to have that like I I get exactly what you're saying. Did did was there people that recognized you doing it in the Chicago Dogs game that were like, hey, wait a second. Like it, you know what I mean? There there were, surprisingly. I was I was I was surprised and and uh that was a very nice compliment. But there were some people that recognized they said, Boy, that this guy's still around. There, there was a few people, yeah. <laughs> have you met uh Jeremiah, the new Cubs PA guy? Is there have you talked to him at all or, or anything or I have I met Jeremiah when he was probably thirteen or fourteen years old, growing up a Cubs fan, and another guy that always wanted to be an announcer, great guy has a really good approach that I think fits the Wrigley sound very well um, as well. So yes, I do know Jeremiah. He's a very good dude. I think you guys have a very similar sound and obviously Gary has, has since retired and they've moved on there too. So, uh, but I think that the both guys have done a really solid job of, of keeping that vibe. I'm biased. Cause like I talked about in the beginning, I'm used to your sound, but I think it's very similar and the vibe still remains uh, pretty positive. Well, thank you, Mikey, but I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think they did a phenomenal job in, in finding uh, Gary's replacement and Jeremiah as well in the PA, Mikey. He does really, really good work. Before we let you go, is there anyone you wanted to give a quick shout-out to or mention one more before we uh, we wrap this up? Well, I'll ask you guys. I'm curious because I, I like to I like to get to know you guys as well. What do you think for Cubs 2024? Should we be, uh, should we be very optimistic, or is there going to be a, a little negative carryover from the way September rolled out this year? Benjamin? Um, man, I think it all, this is a huge off season. This is probably one of the biggest off seasons in a long time because they have the money to spend and I, I think they, they got to use it. Well, and they also have an arsenal of prospects as well. Obviously you don't want to get rid of the ones that you've kind of developed and are, are top, but th- I think this is the deepest that the, the farm system's been since probably 2014. So mm-hmm. I think you got to put that to use and have the ability to, you know, get it, get a big bat in the middle of that lineup, whether it's Cody Bellinger that you're spending on or potentially trading for with Soto and um, uh, Pete Alonzo. And then I think you got to get another arm as well. And I think that that can lead to uh, successful bearings in 2024. And I hope that's the case. Yeah, I'm with you. I, you painted a really good picture. I hope it, I hope it comes to fruition because that's uh, this is where Jed and company get you know push the right buttons. They they've done a good job so far. So I'm with you. One one right there, almost to the top. Yeah, uh, it'll be fun to see how it shakes out. And you might have a closer perspective that's having worked for a professional baseball team like the Cubs for the ten years you did. But I I'm starting to see from Cody that classic you know, high profile, high profile agent, high profile player, social media game. Cause that's just the world we live in now where Bryce Harper did it. Chris Bryant did it. Wilson Contreras did it. They say stuff on their social media. Like it was a pleasure to play at Wrigley field or there or stuff like this, or I enjoyed my time and they're not completely shutting the door on it, but they're also saying, Hey, open market, open business. That said, I don't think Cody would deny coming back to the Cubs if the, if the price is right. And I think the Cubs should completely give him everything he wants. Like this year on Twitter, I kept, posting a blank check with Cody Bellinger's name on it was, was one of my jokes because I think the time is now to go spend. We keep talking about, should we have paid Kyle Schwarber? Should we have gone harder for Bryce Harper? Should we consider it of re-signing Chris Bryant? Don't let, you know, don't let that become an issue again. Keep Cody around. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a super fair point you bring up. I don't disagree with you at all. And, I, you know, a lot of guys get on players like that, I feel like, in the media and fans. I've never faulted any professional athlete, regardless of sport, for going after as much money as they can because their window to succeed is about this big compared to your career or my career where we could possibly do what we do for 50 or 60 years. You can't do that in the bigs. And sure, there's other income streams and revenue opportunities just because you were a big league player, say. But you know, I don't blame Cody for finding the right situation for his family and financially, wherever that may be. But I will say, I mean, I'm with you. The numbers he put up at Wrigley with the Cubs this year were phenomenal. If he was back in a Cubs uniform, regardless of the price tag, I don't think any Cub fan would have an issue with that. No. I, I think that's going to be the, the major goal. And as Ben pointed out, just uh, getting some some new pitching would probably be the ultimate goal. Because, yeah, like you pointed out, Andrew, I think it's just uh, – to come up so close and so far, I think we've kind of gone through all the stages of of that at this point and processed it and gotten into some interviews here in the offseason. But, yeah, that was hard uh, doing this podcast for our first season, getting so high on it in, like, August and September, and then just gradually through our last couple episodes throughout September, just you kind of saw the decline of Ben and I, like, you know what? It it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, it just shows you how much of a grind the baseball season is, right? Last 20, 25 days of the year come September, it gets tough. I, I was glad they did what they did. I, of course, I wanted them, you know, postseason baseball and win, but I'm such a David Ross fan. I love him as a person. I, I like what he does in the dugout. So to have the year they had, I think, I was pumped just for, for his sake, the team as well. And, and you're right, what you guys said, especially what you talked uh, about Ben a little while ago, is I think they're, they're really close to, to being completely around the corner and having a, having a full 162 put together next year. Uh, Andrew, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it and uh, look forward to having you again on some time and listening to Outside the Box as uh, you drop more episodes. Mike, Ben, my pleasure. Thank you guys so much. Good. Thank you, Andrew. Huge thank you to Andrew Bellis and Ben. My favorite part of that interview is when he's talking about uh, when former players would come in and just want to hear their name on the on the loudspeaker, and and he and he would still do it with his visitor voice because he he's like, if you're part of that Cubs family, you only get to the real excitement. And I thought that was so cool, and that's the closest we got. I don't know if you noticed in the interview, that's the closest we got to hearing him do the actual voice. It was a great interview. I really do appreciate Andrew for coming on. We had a lot of fun with him talking to him, even yeah. talked to him about 15 minutes after the recording ended. So a lot of fun. Appreciate you, Andrew, for coming on and hopefully can be a potential reoccurring guest as yeah. well in the future. Yeah, I'll ditto that. Andrew's an awesome guy. I wish him nothing but the best moving forward in his play-by-play -play career. He's obviously got a, an awesome work ethic and, and a voice for it. And uh, cool to hear he was doing stuff for the dogs last year. And I, I look forward to hearing more. And make sure to tune into his podcast as well, Outside the Box. Correct. He has one coming up with Gary Pressey, uh, and I know he was excited talking about that when we recorded, so I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk Cubs. We weren't yeah. gonna we weren't gonna have too different of a of a tale of this one. You know what I mean? When we do it in our podcast episodes, we usually have a little tale on the end of our interviews. Five minutes of general talk. It was about the playoffs before newsflash. I don't think we ever touched on this, but the Texas Rangers won the World Series. Okay, moving on. Craig Council is the manager of your Chicago Cubs. If you didn't listen to our 10-minute emergency podcast yesterday, we'll kind of fill you in. The minute we found out, we went live. Well, not live, but we started recording, and we literally were finding out about the contract details while recording. You heard me say, wow, five times. You heard Ben say the F-bomb twice, all within the first minute. That clip's on Instagram and TikTok. Special shout-out to Ben for doing that. New details have arisen today. Nothing bad, per se, but the dust has settled a bit more. The contract, five years, 40 million. And Ben, I'll let you take it away here for what we know now about David Ross. Let's start there. Yeah, it, it's tough for him. I feel, I really do feel bad because Rossi was truly a great guy. And if you didn't see some of the news today, Jed flew out a couple days ago, it seems. So this has been the fact that they were able to keep this under the lid for That's so long thing. is really impressive. But Jed flew out to Florida to visit Rossi and uh, let him know that he will not be managing the Chicago Cubs anymore. And the, the quote is that Rossi was blindsided, blindsided, as I think all of Cubs fans and just about anyone in the organization besides maybe Jed and Tom and a couple others at the top. So once again, it's at the end of the day, it's, it's just, it's tough to see that this happened to Rossi because he is such a great guy. And, you know, while you could can, 
you could make an argument that he might have made some bad in-game decisions, some bad lineups. At the end of the day, they were definitely building towards something with him. But I think it's about improving on the margins and, and getting better at the end of the day. The The thing is, we're not used to this, right? A, right. a few different aspects of this as Chicago sports fans. There's never really been, at least Ben and I's lifetime, a coach that is needs to probably go but could stick around. And he's part of that is because he's just such a likable dude. He's a former player. I mean, it's kind of Ditka. Like, if you think back all the way back, it's a little bit Mike Ditka, but obviously Mike Ditka won a Super Bowl and uh, as, a, as an all-time Hall of Fame player and coach. But, but in our lifetime, I don't really think there's ever seen something like this. And it's like if during the Nagy era, like when we first liked Nagy, like if after 2018, excuse me, when Nagy won Coach of the Year and everyone yeah. loved him and and everyone was like, oh, you know, the double doink, but, you know, we're really looking forward to next year. Little did we know we'd be terrible, but everyone was looking forward to next year and everyone liked Nagy. It'd be like if if like Andy Reid or like Sean Payton at the time or somebody like that just like came and knocked on Hallis Hall and was like, hey, I know you have a coach, but could, I want to coach this team. It's hard to say no to that. And I'm not yeah. mad at the Cubs for saying no to saying yes to Craig Council. Excuse me. It's just I feel terrible for Rossi in the situation. He's a former player. Fergie Jenkins himself called him a Cubs legend today on Twitter, and I think that sentiment remains a legend in a Hall of Fame sense. No, but I mean the the obvious should say it. Our manager took one deep during Game Seven of the World Series. I mean the lore behind this guy as a Cubs player and coach is and always will be all time. And it's just, it was at the end of the day, just about getting better. It's, I guarantee you if Craig Council was coaching this team last year, they would have made the playoffs. But once again, that's not necessarily a knock on, Ro- on Rossi. I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what's next up for him. I know that there are a few managerial jobs open right now, as in San Diego and I'm missing one of Houston and Milwaukee, of course. So it'll be interesting to see. I know there are some very quiet reports that Milwaukee and San Diego have had potential interest in bringing him in and getting him in for an interview. But I don't know. We'll end up seeing what happens. Obviously, when the Cubs poached him as their new coach, he was taken away from the broadcast booth, which he was pretty phenomenal color guy for his time there. So I wouldn't be shocked if he went back into the booth. If he gets a manager job, congratulations to him because it just proves that other teams saw what the Cubs had with him for the time being. But I'd also be interested to see if maybe he does take a, a little bit of a side job and maybe he maybe he takes the year off or maybe he goes and be a bench coach for another team. I know a lot of these uh, Ross these coaching staffs are being finalized and stuff like that, but you know there are still openings and Stephen Vogt still got to pick his. Uh, coaching staff over there up in Cleveland so I wish the best for him and at, but at the end of the day I'm still not upset about what the Cubs did that'd be pretty full circle if he goes and coaches helps coach in Cleveland right I don't remember if it was and forgive me if you just heard this and I'm repeating it but I don't remember if this is one of the things we cut in the Bells interview or not but Andrew talked about how his first reaction when David Ross became the manager of the Cubs was he was a really good broadcaster yeah, like there was, there had talent there. I think that part was cut out. So that I'll I'll just reiterate that what Andrew said. He had mentioned that he was um kind of making jokes with Ross, but also just generally saying like, yeah, he was really good at broadcasting, and I think that's easily a career he can hop back in. He was on ESPN's BRC team. I'm pretty confident back in the day, uh, pre 2020, pre pandemic, as we like to say, even though those two things have nothing to do with each other. But it's, uh yeah, uh, David Ross, 20, 2020 uh, National League Central Division champion, as they said in the press release yesterday by the Cubs, had a winning record over those four years. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it, it stacked up that way. Uh, tw- he was 20 games under. Tw- just 20 games under. Just 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 like we were in June or July. No, I'm kidding. We were 10 under. And we found a way to make it fun. No, uh, David Ross, we're not eulogizing the guy. This won't be this won't be it for him. He'll be back around. Uh, maybe even with the Cubs uh, someday. I doubt it when you leave like that, but I don't, I, the only thing I hope is that it doesn't affect David Ross, the player as a legend. Like I still hope they let him come back. Well, not, it's not, they won't let him. I still hope he wants to come back and have his first pitch, his seventh inning stretch. Now that he's not an employee of the Cubs, obviously it won't be next year, but in 10 years, I hope he does what Zobris and Fowler have done and does the stretch and does his little, you know, ring on his hand, waving to the crowd. It's I, people aren't going to, 
have a bad taste of him as a manager. It's not like he was fired and you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I think all of Cubs nation has really been behind him throughout this all as much as yeah. everyone agrees with the council move. It, I think most people would agree this, this was truly blindsiding and no one expected it. And then I guarantee you David Ross didn't expect it either because someone else took his job as he was employed. It will be interesting to see what he does though. This, this upcoming year, I, I wouldn't be sh- shocked if he takes the year off especially considering mm-hmm. the fact that he is still getting a paycheck from the cubs yeah so it, it, it's tough but uh we move as i've been saying we up and i mean i'm really i did not expect the offseason to begin like this but we're we are we are the wheels are truly turning right now i hope there's no t- bad taste in, in rossi's mouth and we'll leave it there and i would understand if there was but i really hope he still knows he's loved around here Let's talk about Craig Council. Yeah. He had to handpick the Cubs. The, his contract expired with the Brewers, but he easily could have resigned, and the Brewers were okay, and he was okay with mutually looking for other options. There obviously was the Mets, where everyone and their mother assumed that was the was the best target because they'd pay him the most. Who and are Dave not Stearns. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then they're not going to sign a GM. Did you see that today? They're just not going to have a GM this offseason. Okay. The Mets is what they said. They said they have too much going on. Yeah, you and I both. But they're not going to sign a GM. Um, and so everyone thought the Mets, there was talk then, oh, there's a mystery team. It's not the Padres or the Guardians or the the Mets. It's, it might be the White Sox is what Ben had texted me. It might be the Red Sox. But it turned out he wanted to go shoeless and he went with or sockless with the Chicago Cubs. Had to knock on Jed's door effectively. I mean, I'm sure Jed gave him a call too, but he had to knock on his door, give him a phone call and say, hey, you're in a decent situation. You pretty much... You all but made the playoffs with a former player as a manager. That would be really hard to fire. Pay me. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. And I saw a quote from Jed today saying, you can't pass up on this opportunity when a manager like this just becomes available to the open market. And I think the thing that's most impressive about it all, obviously we kind of touched on this in our emergency episode yesterday, but we didn't really comprehend it at the time because everything was coming in all at once and it was just – it's just yeah pandemonium but this all came together in the last few days he had the cubs had to seek permission before november 1st to talk to craig council and they didn't they never put in a request to milwaukee so no one knew this was coming and if you're saying november 1st huh he signed november 6th with cubs so that's about five days of discussions and negotiations, whether it's what you said that Craig Council reached out to the Cubs or whether it's Jed reaching out to Craig Council, whatever it might have been, the fact that they were able to get this done and convince Craig Council to come to the North Side, who already has a solid foundation in place, but has one of the best farm systems in baseball, money to spend. Whatever Tom and and Jed told them in in their meeting, he must have really liked because there's a lot of great jobs out there. Here's what they told him as my guess. It's time to completely change the character. You you can't pull a move like that on Ross and not let this effectively change the entire, at least for this period, the next great Cubs team is going to be one that's never had this type of villainous role. You have yeah. to play like the Dodgers or Yankees now or, or spend like them. I mean, council could have gone to either of those other two programs or any other team that has a lot of money i.e. the Padres and a million superstars who had a vacancy, and he chose the Cubs. Why? Because it's not a team that has ever been like that. But he had, what was it, seven or like all but one of his seasons since 2017 was a winning season. He won the division how many times? I want to say three or four in those those years since 17. And it just, they kept coming up short. The NL MVP batted like barely above 200 for two years in there, and they just kept coming up short. And you mentioned that with a nimble roster, yeah. the Brewers year after year. And we talked about this in one of our first episodes we've ever done, how the Brewers every single year love to just put out a roster of slapstick players that just, you know, but they're either at their cliff of their career or they're just these randos that they just called up from the minor leagues. And they every single year managed to put together an 85 plus win team. And that's, as much as that's probably some great coaching and the 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 organization itself, even though I don't want to give them too much flowers, at the end of the day, I guarantee you a lot of that falls on Craig Council's shoulders. 
So council wants this sandbox where he's like, I'm obviously a good manager. You're going to pay me most of managers ever been paid. He doesn't want to do it. And either those, you know, stereotypically money spending programs or franchises, I should say. So he's going to have his opportunity. He has this blank canvas now with a team that has an infinite wallet and great fans that he's seen up close multiple times a year, every year. And I'm sure in that pitch, they were like, Craig, we're paying you double what the second highest manager is now paid. We obviously have the money to spend. Let's have some fun. You're not going to have to really move your family. He's from Wisconsin or he's from Indiana. He lives in Wisconsin. He played for the Brewers. He is apparently for someone close to him source wise, always wanted to play or coach for the Cubs. And he has this infinite amount now to go get a dream team. Basically. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but they have the opportunity now to build a golden state warriors of baseball with a great manager and completely change what the Cubs are known for. And that's what I had when I wrote our notes before this, my number one thing that I wrote at the top, this is signaling a huge off season. You don't just sign a manager to the biggest contract he's ever gotten. If you didn't plan on doing whatever is, is possible. And I listened to David Kaplan's recap yesterday, which if you haven't checked it out, it's like a three minute, 30 second video. And he just made me want to run through a brick wall. The way that he was just able to talk and get everyone so excited over this off season. He said that he's heard that this sent shockwaves throughout the entire major league baseball, whether it's the GMs, the coaches, and everyone is expecting the Cubs to be a big player on every single free agent, trade candidate, whatever it might be. They are ready to roll this offseason. If you've ever been a free agent this offseason that wanted to play for a great coach in an awesome stadium and didn't want it to be Milwaukee, come find us at 1060 West Addison. Promise yeah. there's a spot for you. One thing I want to say is because you went on a, a great you, – you, you brought up a ton of great points, but you were mentioning about how how villainous this was. And it truly is. Mm-hmm. And – I was watching, I was, I turned on the radio. I turned on my Odyssey app as soon as I heard that this news broke. Cause I wanted to see what the 670 coverage was. It was Bernstein and Holmes at the time. And the first thing that they said, when the news came through, like they said, this is badass. Like this is villainous. This is a baller move, but I love it. And that's yeah, exactly what the Chicago one of the two. Cubs I think did. it was Dan Bernstein. Bernstein kept posting the, like the New World Order, like WWE thing. Like this is like this is who we are now. Like it's like we are, yeah, we're the villains now. And I love it. I'm Loki leading into it. I it doesn't have to mean a monumental shift of what the organization's all about. The beer and the hot dogs are still going to taste the same on a nice summer day in the bleachers. But the team might actually make the playoffs year in and year out for the next couple of years if they actually. I mean, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but I just think it could. I this could be this could be huge. That you have every right to be. And that's exactly what we're we're trying to say. You made the manager move. You you got the big guy. You got the guy to center this whole thing off. Don't stop. Whatever free agent that you have on your list, go and target them. As long as it's financially capable and it's actually you're not just signing players because their names. Sign the player that you can make an impact to this roster next year and help you get to the playoffs because you missed it by one game this year. Correct counsel is that difference and the potential free agents and players that they could bring in for this roster can make that much of a difference. Very possible 2023 NL manager of the year, Greg council. Yes. He is that a could make that difference, which is funny because if he does win, I almost hope he does. Cause it'll be a, uh, do the Cubs congratulate him on their Twitter? Do the Brewers congratulate him on their Twitter? Does nobody, con- I mean, I'm sure the Cubs would, but does nobody, does he does he just Mikey, get a nice handshake from his brothers? Like what how does that work? Mikey, I can't wait for this press conference next week. I know they're yeah. they're pushing it off till next week because of the GM meetings right now, which if you're not paying attention, keep an eye on that because you could start to see some potential rumors and stuff come up with those GM meetings going on. I could just I imagine Jed and Carter walking into the GM meetings with like the full tuxedos on, like like the stepbrothers, and, and just like everyone turning heads. Everyone yeah. turning heads, like those guys wow they did yeah that. yeah they went there i mean it's it's a badass move at the end it of is. the day as it much is. as as much as you know it not disrespectful to rossi but as much as it probably hurt to see rossi just leave like that 
it it is a baller move. Repeating the words of uh, Lawrence Holmes, it's a baller move. You know what's gonna really help Ben with yeah. uh, with with eight million a year for five years, signing a, signing the last year of a of a seventy one million dollar contract, just letting it go, just kind of he opted out, he's done. Marcus Stroman, he's not he's not coming back, and that we talked about that the day before council. Uh, just separately, you and I on text, and we're like, oh, that's a lot of extra money to spend. What did they know? What do those two idiots know? What the what the hell, man? Who who would have ever thought, right? Yeah. Yeah. And as much as Strowman had his ups and downs this year, he was still a solid pitcher across his Chicago career. So I wouldn't have minded them bringing him back. Or if he would have opted in, I wouldn't have minded it at the end of the day. But now you just freed up $21 million in cap space to even further prove, go get someone better. Go get someone better. You have the money to spend. Go get it done. I, I can't believe that Stroman truly did it because I don't think he's going to get $21 million a year anywhere else unless he's trying to sign that last big contract that kind of you know sets him up for the rest of his career. But he's on the older side anyways, and he's a guy that – you know, you look at the underlying numbers, and I wouldn't say the first half was luck because he was a really great pitcher, but you can't forget about the fact that he's a, a great ground ball pitcher, and half the half the time it was his middle infield, the two gold glovers and Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner making plays up the middle for him to get outs. I just got a text, by the way, and not to go back and counsel really fast. We'll get back to Stroman in two seconds. A great point, Ben. They just wrote a story. The athletic just put out an official story, like because they were the first ones to break it. So they have like an, their official like up uh, accompanying story, like how the Cubs swooped in and did this. And I'm gonna read that after this, um, as I exciting. suggest everyone does, because that is uh, that's the big one. But yeah, Marcus, uh, I wish him nothing but the best. Again, it's it's a kind of like Rossi, like it's good for the Cubs, but I have no I'm no hard feelings about it. It frees up a ton of money. I mean, and this is a, like you said, man, I don't think he's going to get that deal elsewhere. I almost wonder, did the players know about, they couldn't have, they couldn't have known about the coaching no. change early because it would have gotten out earlier. Yeah. It's, do you think Strowman's kicking himself today? I wouldn't necessarily say kicking himself because he should have just opted into that $21 million deal. Like, I don't know what, it, it, it blindsided me when I saw that. I don't know if it's, he had ill will towards management i don't know if he had ill will to towards ross that could be the one situation where if maybe it's, he's if it's kicking ross, himself he's maybe like yeah I, I, he should have just opted in no matter what and racked up that 21 million he just probably wants to play elsewhere and thinks he can get paid more i mean before he even played a game for the cubs he was talking about all the other teams he wanted to play for in that interview that infamous interview so i think he just is a is a journeyman he doesn't want to stay in one place um and he wants to make as much money as he can in his career Hell, some random team might offer him way more for like a two-year contract. I just find it interesting because I don't know if it's because he has been off of social media for the last couple months, ever since his injury. But every single time that Marcus Stroman has left a place, it's always ended in bad feelings. And I wouldn't necessarily say that's the case right now, but you, you it does make you raise your eyebrow and say, huh, I wonder if something happened behind the scenes that we don't know about that hasn't come out yet. Speaking of people sticking around, two of the biggest, most influential veterans in Cubs Nation, I should say, over the most recent years, have decided to opt in and stay with the Cubs with their new management. Both Jan Gomes, Gas Money Jan Gomes, and Game 7 starter Kyle Hendricks. It's great to have them both back, especially Gomes. I mean, I, I, I pulled to him. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying for production-wise, Jan Gomes was insane last year. Uh, so clutch, and every team needs that veteran leader who's been there before even though they were going to bring in hopefully a ton more veterans this offseason. And then, of course, Kyle Hendricks. I mean, what can you say? Really was productive at the end of the year. Kind of shocked us with with how he was still playing pretty well. And I think he still got a little bit left. I'm so glad to hear that it, that wasn't it for him. I love both moves for the Cubs because we'll start with Gomes first. As much as Gomes was the most clutch player on the Cubs last year, and he's definitely going to get a good chunk of the playing time going into this year. It also just, once again, you don't have to push Miguel Amaya into the fold right away. So we could start to see this, and I think they might even be 50-50. It'll be similar to what we saw in 2016 when David Ross and Miguel Montero were going away and Wilson Contreras was stealing reps from them. For Gomes, 
it's a similar thing. He could kind of marinate and Miguel Amaya into a big leaguer after a, a pretty solid year from Miguel Amaya. But yeah. it, you were almost you were taxed to play Jan Gomes every day because of the fact they were in the race all the way up until the second to last day of the season. So I love that for not only Gomes because of what he brought to the Cubs last year, but for Amaya. Now, echoing that over to Kyle Hendricks, I would assume that this is Kyle Hendricks last year with the Cubs. And if you could get the same production out of him as you did this year, that's awesome because he really did have a bounce back season after a, a two injury riddled seasons in a row. And now, once again, you could kind of marinate those young starting pitchers like the Jordan Wicks of the world, like the potential of Ben Brown coming up, and who even knows if we go to Cade Horton. And you get one last year of Kyle Hendricks to hopefully put up similar numbers that he did this year. And after that, say thank you for all your time, unless he has an ERA title again, which I don't think that's in the tank anymore. But you get him for a year that you're trying to contend, and then you bring in the young starting pitchers. One last thing before we wrap it up. Steele, not an NL Cy Young finalist. That was our uh, hypothetical conversation like seven times in like seven different episodes towards the end of the season when we were just looking for something to talk about aside from how the team was playing. We were like, oh, but Steele's going to be a Cy Young finalist. I get he kind of had some bad starts towards the end, um, but that's, uh, yeah, that's that's something. That's, that's in the news. I, I knew he wasn't going to win it. We all knew Snell was going to win it, but you would have at least liked to see the honor, right? Yeah. And I'm sorry. But Justin Steele was better than Zach Allen for good chunks of the season. I don't know how Steele didn't get it. There were there were a couple interesting uh a couple interesting calls and some tight races for second and third in the uh in the B BWAA, I think that's what they call it, awards campaign. We all know who's gonna win every single award, but it was more of who's gonna come in second and third. A couple interesting decisions. I think Steele is one of the biggest robberies of them all. Steel did not steal. I thought there was we a also, there. Mikey, mm-hmm. we also touched on this as well. I don't know if it was announced last week, but three gold glovers as well. It, oh, yeah, it definitely we wasn't. About that. It was no. announced on Sunday. Yeah, three gold glovers. How about yeah. that? So excited for Nico. Had to shift positions after being a uh, basically a gold glove shortstop and had to switch into a, a second baseman. Really good team guy. That's a guy everyone wants, a glue guy of sorts. And uh, yeah, he's, he's, I'm thrilled. He's going to be, a, he's, he is yeah. a gold glove second baseman. Now we expected it from Dansby. I was a little confused by Ian. Ian had some, Ian had some interesting errors over the season, but Hey, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get mad at that. Yeah. Like, whatever, whatever they think. I know a lot of people are upset with the uh, decision of Ian Happ, but as much as there were the couple errors, you can't forget about the web gems as well as the, yeah. uh, the throw outs or excuse me, put outs at home. I mean, you'll never forget that Milwaukee game. No. Where he did, where he Twice threw a out. game. Twice in a game, yeah, to win the ISU game. ISU legend so. Owen Miller. Yeah. ISU legend Owen Miller. I was listening to that one from my car in Wisconsin. So I was Ooh. closer I was closer to Milwaukee, but it was still grainy because it was coming off the Willis Tower for uh for the score. And I was I was it was grainy, but I, I could kind of hear it. And I was listening to that one. ISU legend Owen Miller and future Cubs coach Craig Council and future Brewers coach David Ross doing battle. No, uh, no, please <laughs> no. Please no. Doing battle. In, uh, in an extra innings thriller. Rossi's going to end up somewhere. That'd be pretty funny if it was a one-for-one. One. I wouldn't want to have to play him all the time, though. Uh, that would just break my heart more. Yeah, it'd be tough to see. But things are looking up. And I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but we are going to be back with more next week. Another great interview coming your way. I'm sure we'll tag on another fun conversation afterwards. I'll give another hint. We like to hint at the who the interviews are. Um, It's someone who you maybe have bought something before. At uh, at Wrigley Field, that's 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 a good thing to look at. It kind of gives it away, but do with that what you will. Yeah, leave it at that. All right, thanks everybody. I'm Mikey Fernelli for Ben Hootie. Go Cubs.